Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, you know him, he's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah, boy, do we have a lot of Marvel talk this week. Oh, yeah, we do. It's a huge week for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So let us deep dive into what is happening there. But we definitely want to keep that conversation going after the show. So, Pat, where does everybody go to? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the website. Sign up on all these social media accounts to keep that talk going. Everything has been updated. All the new accounts we can get on are there. So if you want to interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, slash X, Instagram, TikTok, we're there. And we like talking with everybody after the show, too, about what we have discussed on the show. That's how it works. Also, check out the T Public Store link. There is a lot of good deals happening very, very soon. So if you want to get some holiday swag, perfect time to swing on over to the store and go get it. Mm-hmm. Also, check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month, and bonus content on the way. The blog section where we have a great review up, spoiler free of the first uh, or the season two of Invincible on Prime Video. So if you want to check out that spoiler free, you go right on over there along with comic reviews. Got a lot of them this week. The classified section, which has friends of the show, it's just three of them podcasts, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative. A lot of things happening there. Can't discuss right now, but if you follow, then you won't miss it when it happens. That's how easy it is. The directory, Pat, how many providers are we on? Not four. Not five, not six, not seven, not eight. We're like over 100,000. It's something like that. He is the statistician of the stars, folks, so I do not question him. So if we're not on your favorite podcast player, I want to know how you're listening to us. Allegedly, we're on ham radio. This is true. We have been told this. Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. So make sure you're dropping those five-star reviews. Make sure you're spreading the word about it because it does help the algorithm of the show, and that does help a lot. Also, check out the music section where you can find out what's going on with such great bands as Brian Wolf and the Howlers, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, uh, Second Suitor, Tom Jolo, the list goes on and on. Basically, if there's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, if you're using hashtags, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Mm-hmm. Kicking off this edition of the show, though, we have to recap arguably the best episode of the season thus far. I'd say the most anticipated one since the premiere. A lot of hype has been centered yeah. around this episode specifically. Yeah. And it is kind of the pace car, if you will, if you follow racing, about what is you know the tempo for the week mm-hmm. involving Marvel. And that is Disney Plus and Marvel Studios' Loki. Now, the Tom Hiddleston-led show has been very, very erratic. A hit or miss. I would say. I yeah. think that's a very fair statement. Yeah. Obviously, they're doing the their best version of American Doctor Who, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But with how this show is structured and obviously knowing what happened last season, things have been not aligned. Yeah, the been... expectations were very high. Yes. You know, season one, I think for a lot of folks, was generally well-received. 
Mm-hmm. I know people had its knocks about it, but I would say in terms of like a percentage, we're talking at least 75%, if not higher, enjoyed uh, season one to varying degrees. Uh, season two, very uh, less so. Yes. So now we're near the end. It's the penultimate episode. And there's a lot happening involving Loki and company. Mm-hmm. So if you're new to the show, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. What we'd like to do is give a spoiler-free statement about what we're going to talk about so we don't ruin anything for you. However, we do give a countdown. After that countdown, we deep dive. We don't hold back. We give theories. We give guesses. We break every, everything down the best we can. So if you don't want to be spoiled for whatever reason, that's in, like listen to each their own, you have the time to jump out. And then when you watch and you want to jump back in, Pad puts the the timestamp in the liner notes so you don't miss anything. It's that simple. So that said, let us talk about episode five of season two entitled Science Slash Fiction, Pad. Mm-hmm. Give me your spoiler-free statement. thought it was a good episode. Uh, well, it wasn't quite what I expected it to be, but that's not a bad thing. You know, it was interesting to see where they're going, and I got a hunch I know where they're going. Um, but no, it was a very good episode. Solid episode. I don't want to say too little too late. Yeah. It, yeah. Ki- it kind of felt like that. Yeah. But at least going into the finale, it feels like there's a direction. Right. Now, I'm not saying it's a home run, but at least we're on base. Yeah. And that's something that they've been... Made solid contact. Yeah. They've been very, very erratic about. Yeah. But I did like the acting in this. I really thought it really felt like we're going somewhere. Just where exactly, we don't know. But that's why there's the whole season finale. Uh-huh. And then when, obviously when we get season three, because I have feelings about that, uh, we'll get some more clarity. But for right now, I thought it was probably their best episode to date. Uh-huh. Um, but it is debatable, though. Uh-huh. But a lot of good things happening in this. So let us take that deep dive and get into it. So in three, two, one. Talk to me. Thought, Like I said, thought it was a good episode. I agree with you. It might be too little too late to finally have the direction done of what the hell we're doing and where the hell we're going. But it's in my opinion, it's better late than never. You know, I'm, I'm glad we're finally here. I'm glad we finally got a po- uh, point. It's going to be interesting to see how things kind of resolve itself and where they go from there. You know, but the episode was great. All the actors did great. It, it, it was cool to finally see them. You know, in their like, natural habitats, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. You know, and and everything was was fun. You know, the entire time we've been watching Loki, Tom Hiddleston has been really in the spotlight, spotlight yes. which, which rightfully so. I mean, his name is on the title. Right. And he is obviously has producer credit. He's very hands-on with this. But I really felt like this episode, we saw the supporting cast really step up. Yeah. And really get that time to shine. Like, Kihu Kwan, we've talked about him as OB throughout the series. I think he's been the breakout star of season two. Owen Wilson as Mobius had really a strong performance here, and especially building into where they're going into this finale, which, let's face it, has been very messy, which if you deal with time travel, and this doesn't matter if it's Doctor Who, this doesn't matter if it's DC, mm-hmm. it's always tricky to pull off yeah. consistently. Because there's like 900 rules for time travel. Mm-hmm. You know, the other stuff, you know, vampires and... You know, zombies and what have you. There's some variations, but by and large, there's the same set of rules. Time travel depends on what franchise you're in, what point in the franchise you're in, and who you're talking to. Exactly. And especially with how things were set up with Jonathan Majors, Kang, 
being freed at the end of season one. Mm-hmm. Now, the only time we've seen him thus far, obviously a lot of other reasons for that. Yeah. Concerning the strike, which is still happening. Yeah. It's been very tricky to really see his impact, but this is the show that we are all waiting to see how it's playing out. And like his character, he's conquering the timelines. He's making his impact felt. And he's trying to. Well, it's something with Kang that has always been a very interesting plot point to his character. Mm-hmm. However, he's not one of my favorite characters. Sure. But it's just, there's a lot with him that if he's done well, he's great. Oh, yeah. But when he's not, and it's just kind of like you get to a certain point in the story, and you're kind of like shrugging the shoulders, like, where do we go from here? That's where I think he falls off. And I think, unfortunately, more times than not, that's what happens. However, recently, he's been really on point since they made him a focal figure in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Majors has done great in his performance of him. But as we jump in here with this entire season, Loki has been trying to fix the mess because he's a mistime-placed character. Mm-hmm. If that even makes sense, but that's you know what we like to say is reasons. reasons. But this is where he's been trying to fix the timeline. They thought they had a great way to do this, obviously using Ob's help to go back in time to find a variant of Kang, which was Victor Timely. Everything thought it would be reset because he had the DNA structure to go in there and and be the one of He Who Remains. Did not work out as well as it did, and as we ended last season or last episode, I should say. Mm-hmm. Everybody got wiped away because timely spaghettified mm-hmm. as the term is going around the internet. Yeah. So it was all for nothing. Everything blew up. Timeline was wiped out. Yep. We jump in here. We see that Tom Hiddleston has survived, but nobody else is around him. All by myself. And the TVA is no more. Well, I mean, it's physically there. But in terms of, like, anybody working there, no. No. So it's a lot of Tom Hillson's character of trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he does wind up escaping the place he's in. Mm-hmm. And this is where things get tricky because we start jumping around the timeline. Because he starts time slipping again. Yes. And to describe that pad, that's when he's phasing in and out. Yep. So this has been something that has been a character point of him this entire season. Well, for the first two episodes right and then he thought he fixed it and it hasn't been an issue but then the poop hit the fan here and now it's happening again for what reason we don't know no they've never really clarified that which i i do fault them on Mm -hmm. because that is a big point to this entire season i mean I, i kind of chalked it up at the start to maybe pushing the boundaries of the tech further than it should have gone you know, True. I chalk it up to that, but but in this regard, I, I really don't understand why. Yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But Loki does wind up escaping this wasteland he's he's in, mm-hmm. and he starts now trying to track down his team yep. of allies. And this is where things get very, very interesting, because something that we have found out with the TVA is the TVA has been one of the biggest fronts in all of comic filmed them yeah because the the entire setup in season one was oh yeah we're these people out of time and out of place and you know we've just lived here our entire lives and this is what we've been doing our entire lives and we know nothing else when the truth came out this season that no that's not the case they're all variants from various points in the timeline across the universe and they got plucked out of said timeline for some reason or another 
uh, and placed in employment there and had their minds wiped so that they wouldn't remember their previous lives. Yeah, so it's always been a little tricky how they've handled this. But we do see some familiar faces now in their original lives pre-TVA. So it's interesting to see Mobius is now Don. Mm-hmm. Selling jet skis. Yep. And uh, ATVs. Dr. Verity Willis, uh, that is the true form of Hunter B-15. Mm-hmm. Frank Morris, who's really Casey. Casey. And then OB, who is Dr. A.D. Mm-hmm. Doug. Yep. And he's the only one who has a sense of what the hell's going on because why? He's a science fiction writer. Yep. So when Loki is presenting his case to him. He goes, no, no, yeah, that makes sense. It does make sense, which, I, you know, I don't fault that. No, and, and I get it for time-saving purposes. Exactly. And plus it plays into OB's character, too. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, he is the true breakout star of this season. Mm-hmm. And we need more OB in the MCU after the show. I agree, 100%. Just, just putting that out there. 100%. So he does get the help, and Doug comes up with an idea. Mm-hmm about getting the band back together, so to speak. Because he's saying, okay, if we get everybody back to the explosion, Mm -hmm. it should affect the aura and just reset itself. Yep. To put it in in a very simpler term than they did. Instead of spending a half hour, yeah. Yeah, which, listen, simpler the better when it's involving time travel. Yep. No faults here. And, of course, OB is starting to connect to his uh, future self, if you will. Like I say, this is where things... It's all a circle. Yeah. So he is building a temp pad, Mm -hmm. which is using some leftover TVA tech. Very rough. Yes. Not not 100% perfect. Yeah, but this is all Loki could grab at the time. And what what it takes, because he he meets... uh, Loki meets up with OB, or AD, whatever you want to call him. We'll say OB, so it doesn't confuse. Um, And he tells him what's going on, and he believes him, and he starts building the stuff. And then Loki time slips out of there, like mid-explanation or three-quarters of the way through the explanation. Ends up someplace else. AD, oh, sorry, OB, then tracks him down with the rebuilt temp pad. And Loki looks at OB and goes, wow, that was really quick. And and OB, without missing a beat, looks at him and goes, well, I don't know if you'd necessarily count 18 months as quick. And then he starts to say, yeah, I lost my job. My wife left me. And this is all I've been doing for 18 months. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a, it's something with time travel. that mm-hmm. you, It's it's a very played out joke, but it still works. Yep. Because time moves differently for everybody once you start mm-hmm. traveling. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing, but it works, though. So Loki does wind up getting the band back together, except Sylvie. Yep. Because Sylvie, at this point, has retained... All her past. Well, she plays possum and acts like she has no idea what he's going he's he's going on about. But then, you know, the truth comes out. She's like, all right, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. I, I know what's going on. So this is where they have a very good standoff. Mm-hmm. And Sylvie finally gets Loki to confess something, mm-hmm. which it's interesting to see how this plays out as his character has developed. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the season, he's been an anti-hero. Yep. I know that's the terminology I know a lot of people don't like, but it's true how they've written him because yeah. he hasn't been a villain. Per se. But he's not a, a typical superhero. He's had flashes of villainy. You know, look at the episode this season where he tortured the one guy. Mm-hmm. Love that episode. But, yeah. but that's who he is. Yeah. Every time you've seen Loki done where he's working with heroes... He walks a very fine line. Mm-hmm. And I think that now the seeing this interaction, I mean, and great dialogue, too, back and forth. Yeah. Loki finally just fesses up that 
he can't handle being alone. I mean, because you think about it, and I think he even alludes to this during the episode that, like, his brother isn't there. His parents are dead. You know, his entire planet was wiped out, you know, and, and everything else. So it's like he's been through some shit. Yeah. And I think for him, too, to finally admit that because he's always been somebody that wants something he can never have. Mm-hmm. To now have something where it doesn't seem that big at the time. Yeah. But it's it's so much more than anything he's ever wanted because he's always wanted to be accepted. Yeah. And we've never really seen this with Asgard and Thor and Odin and, and the powers that be. Right. But now he, he's really grown attached to Mobius and company. Well, and I know that's a plot device that's been used over over the course of time, TV shows, movies, where it's like you've got the one guy really acting out or playing the jokester. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times it's a cry for help, yeah. you know, which I think they, is, they're using brilliantly here. Yeah, which, I mean, this works. And, I mean, Hilson's acting, he just raises it up another level. Absolutely. So, like I say, it works in this case. Usually I'd be very critical of this, mm-hmm. but no, it works. It works fine. And then once... Sylvie's timeline starts getting wiped out. Mm -hmm. She does agree to help Loki. But this is where things also get a little out of control. Yeah. Because the timeline is not waiting for them. Nope. They don't care. The energy wave that has been sweeping through since the temporal loom Mm -hmm. uh, is now starting to catch up to the other timelines. Yep. So we see other people starting to disappear again. Mm Mm-hmm. And Loki does figure out a way to stop his time splitting enough to get down to business. Yeah, he's, he's figured out to control it to yeah. a point. And how does he figure that out, Pat? Uh, he figures it out by focusing on a specific person, and he ends up there. Yeah. They don't get much past that in the explanation, so that's what I'm going with. No, but you know what? It works, though, because if you think about it, Loki is just the anomaly that's walking. Mm-hmm. So if he does focus on somebody... it. it in a weird sense, yeah, it does give him time travel powers because he can Kinda. focus on them and, and reach them. Yeah. So at this point, he says he can quote, re, 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 redo the story. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, borrow from Cody Rhodes a little bit. I know that's what minute he, minute this line came out. I'm like, oh, finish the story. Yeah. Adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, something Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. But it works. Yep. So now this is where Loki winds up going right before the explosion happens mm-hmm. and winds up facing Obi. Mm-hmm. And that's how the episode wraps up. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that happens with this, though. Like I say, it might have seemed like a quick synopsis. Yeah. yeah. But it just really falls down to you see Obi step up. And that's why I say yeah. uh, Kihu Khan's mm-hmm. performance. Phenomenal. Just amazing and really stepped up his game. And then when we see, of course, with Owen Wilson, like I say, his character, because they've always had that moment where he's been denying his past. Yeah. I mean, there's the one point where, what was it? I think it was the last episode where, like, they wanted to go find out what his thing was. And he's like, you know what? Why don't we go get pie? Yeah. So we start diving into that a little bit. And like I say, it makes sense because you've seen him be such a loyal uh, employee mm-hmm. to the TVA. To Very th- much a company man. Yeah. I mean, he was their Cyclops. Let's let's face it. If you want to do the comparison with him and X-Men. Without, without the psychotic breaks? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Cyclops doing what he has to do. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, okay. He, 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 like I say, I'm team, I'm team Scott Summers all day. So, at, <laughs> hashtag ODPHpod. But in this circumstance, though, it works to see those performances really come out. But it's, it's Hiddleston really coming to terms with the growth of his character 
and the tragedy that's going to happen because no matter what he thinks he's going to win, he's going to wind up losing mm-hmm. because he's still a man out of time. And there's no way that he can survive. Mm-hmm. I He's going to wind up going back into that moment where he's in front of Thanos. Yeah. Like he, under, he understands like it, Unless some real interesting trickery happens, which he's the god of mischief, anything's yeah, possible. Yeah, it does appear that he knows the ending is done, but that's where he wants to go and redo the story. Mm-hmm. And it's a very cool moment to see. But now we have one episode left of season two. Mm-hmm. It still feels like there's a lot they have to cover. Mm-hmm. Any kind of guesses where we're going with this? I feel like I can't say anything because I've read some spoilers. That okay. are potentially true, potentially not, but I could see him playing out. So uh, I'm going to withhold my opinion. Uh, I'll tell you off air, but I, I've, if you want to, I've, I've read some stuff and it would make a lot of sense. Well, I think we're definitely heading to season three. Uh, okay. I, I would say okay. this. In my, in my unofficial ODPH guess, I feel we're heading to season three. I think that we will have a run in with Kang at some point here. And I think that's where the cliffhanger is going to be. Mm-hmm. I think that where they go for the next part of this uh, season next year is going to be interesting because I can't see him doing something noble and like sacrificing himself and, and making Sylvie the new god- goddess of mischief. I mean, listen, Loki tries to be a good guy. He ain't that much of a good guy. Right, exactly. Like, that's why I say like there's there's no noble way he's going out. Right. It'll be some like he'll he'll double cross somebody. Yeah, is where I'm going with this. That's why I say like it would make sense if they wanted to have Sylvie be the new Loki. Because yeah. she's still in the timeline. Could be. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think Loki will do a double cross and set her up. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, with Kang involved, I think that's where a lot of uh, double crossing will happen, too. Mm-hmm. So, like I say, there's a lot they'll be excited about, but I think we're ending with a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. I don't think we're ending with just a clean-cut no. finale. No. And then I think we're going to get a bonus scene of some sort. Oh, uh, that's probably a safe bet. Yeah. Um, maybe Fantastic Four. Mm, I wouldn't go that far. No, well, let's say maybe Baxter Building. Like mm. that's something. But like I say, I don't want to know because I want to watch like everybody else. I want to get up on Thursday and be like, "Yep, here we go," and let the magic happen, as the kids say. But in the meantime, though, final thoughts on the episode before we sign it off? Fantastic episode. Excited to see where things go for the uh, final episode this season, and from there. Boy, are we in for a ride. Strong performances really carried this. I'm excited to see where we go, but I think there's still just so much left on the table. I don't think we're done at, at episode six. Mm-hmm. Just where we wind up heading to is anybody's guess, but I think for this episode, one of the strongest ones they've done and arguably the best one of the season. So that being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about quote-unquote science slash fiction episode five of season two of Loki on Disney Plus? Let's have the discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, Internet. It's that time of year again. We at the Game Vault Podcast will be raising money for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Yes, that's right. It is the Game Vault Podcast's eighth annual charity live stream. This year, our main marathon will be split over two Saturdays. Our first 12-hour block will be in person on Saturday, November 11th. And the second block will be taking place virtually on Saturday, November 18th. We will be playing all types of games from many different genres, including Immortality, the Jackbox Party Pack, and Call of Duty, as well as some extra-life classics such as Halo, Mario Kart, and a WWE game or two. Both streams are tentatively scheduled to begin at 9 a.m. Eastern and will broadcast on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pod. 
We look forward to you joining us and helping us raise money for the kids. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And we were given some more Marvel Cinematic television news. Yeah, busy week for them. Very, very busy week. And we have been finally given a trailer that has been causing a little bit of buzz ever since we saw this character debut live action on Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. And that is the character of Echo. Yes. So if anybody's not familiar, Echo has a long history in comics debuting in 1999 in the Daredevil series. Right. And has really gone on some very different directions uh, post-Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, one I don't want to spoil just in case they do it for the MCU's uh, uh, television show. Okay. But a very interesting character, nevertheless. Alkaya Cox is playing her. Mm-hmm. And... We now know that there's going to be the spinoff show, and obviously with the fallout from Hawkeye, this is going to kind of tie into the new direction mm-hmm. of where things are going with the MCU, but it's also a Marvel spotlight show. Yes. So, Pad, do you want to break this down a little bit? Yeah, so Marvel uh, unveiled this in an article on their own website uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, it was published on the 4th of November where they were talking about the, you know, unveiling Echo at a Choctaw Day celebration. You know, they streamed the first two episodes of the show at this uh, celebration. Uh, you know, th- so one of the things that was mentioned uh, in this article towards the end is it does say, quote, Echo will be the first series under the Marvel Spotlight banner. And head of streaming Brad Winderbaum said of the decision to launch the new banner with Echo, quote, Marvel Spotlight gives us a platform to bring more grounded, character-driven stories to the screen. And in the case of Echo, focusing on street-level stakes over larger MCU continuity. Just like comic fans didn't need to read Avengers or Fantastic Four to enjoy a Ghost Rider Spotlight comic, our audience doesn't need to have seen other Marvel series to understand what's happening in Maya's story, close quote. So what it basically means is if you are a casual Marvel fan or even a light Marvel fan, you see a movie here or there because the character interests you or there's somebody in the cast that interests you, but you don't necessarily want to watch it. Or you're just looking for something new to watch, but you don't want all the baggage added of like how many Marvel movies are there now? Like 20 something. It's insane. Mm. You know, plus you've got all the TV. You don't want to spend, you know, a month and a half or however long it is. Why? Watching all the movies, watching all the shows, watching all the shorts, watching all this, all that. Like, if you just want something new to watch and something kind of comic book based that you can just dive right in, not know a thing about, and not have had to watch anything, echoes for you. Yeah, this definitely is a good win, I think, for Smart the MCU. Idea. Well, especially in the transition period, and we've heard a lot. And no, I'm not even giving any time of day to that Variety article. Yeah, that's a long one. That came out. Yeah, that's that's I, that's a whole different ball of wax, folks. So if, uh, we can definitely talk about it on there's social media. There's 32 Marvel movies. Yeah. And that's not even counting the TV shows. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on with that. But I know in the direction we're going here, I think it's a smart play because what they're doing is they're trying to make these lesser-known characters to the pop culture audience more accessible. Mm-hmm. That's smart. That is what they should be doing because for anybody that's really complaining about how some series are not as popular, so to speak, right? it's because they don't have that built-in fan base. Echo has always been a side character, mm-hmm. never really a lead one, but right. she is a very, very interesting one that has ties to a lot of very big teams mm-hmm. and big characters in the MCU. So this is a big win to get her, a show centered around her. And what we're going to be doing now is breaking down the trailer that came out. Yeah. So we are going to be talking spoilers. So we are just going to give you the countdown and go from there. So, Pat, that being said, in three, two, one, 
Let's talk about it. The trailer, I got to say, looks very interesting just because, admittedly, I know of Daredevil, I know of Kingpin, and I know of their, you know, kind of side characters, I guess you could say, from the Netflix series and from the uh, movie in 2003 with uh, Ben Affleck, you know, and, and a little bit of video games. They popped up in some video games here and there, you know, but but in terms of Echo, I really hadn't heard or, or read about her uh, up until she appeared in Hawkeye. So I was interested. I was intrigued. And when they announced they were going to be doing an Echo show, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm all for this. You know, as much as I love, you know, the massive global spanning films like Captain America and Iron Man and in the universal epics like Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy, it's nice sometimes to just kind of have this self-contained, you know what? There's a problem. We got to solve it. There's something we got to take care of, but doesn't necessarily involve the end of the world. Nah, sometimes you just need to stop a bank robber. And, and you know, so I feel like Echo is going to be on that level where like, are, are is the world going to be at stake? Is she going to have to rise above the threat and above the challenge and whatever comes her way and save the world or foil the plot of the bad guy? Probably not to a, a certain degree. And that's going to be a nice change. I loved how this is set up because what this reminds me of is the Marvel Knights imprint. Mm. And it's been a while since uh, comic readers have heard that one. If anybody needs a, just a quick synopsis, in the late 90s, early 2K era, Marvel decided to do a little bit of dabbling into the mature readers line, so to speak. Okay, uh, It's more the equivalent nowadays to DC Black Label. Mm. And when they came out with this, Daredevil was one of the comics under it. Black Panther was under that banner. Punisher, I believe, was under that banner in a very, very different story. Right. And Inhumans, which I will say this on record. I think it's one of the best Inhuman stories you're going to read where they are leads. So keep that in mind. They also dabbled a little bit. This is kind of where it kind of rolled into uh, the Max line, which Punisher is very well known for. Right. And I know Spider-Man actually had a Marvel Knights imprint for a little bit. So it's more of the mature reader's content. And especially if you're going to do the street-level superheroes, that is the Spider-Mans, the Luke Cage, the Iron Fist. Basically, the Netflix universe. Mm -hmm. This is a great way to put that stamp on it and make your own version under the Disney banner. Mm -hmm. And I think what we had here, they did a really good job explaining it because of how Alaka Cox is connected to Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk. Mm -hmm. And we did see, obviously, the Kingpin is still alive. Oh, yeah. Anybody that really thought that he was going to be killed off in Hawkeye, (laughs) you're sadly mistaken. Uh, I think the the MCU has big plans for one, Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And seeing how the rest of the show is kind of going in, they are definitely trying to make the Kingpin endearing. Yeah, which is which is weird. Yeah, it, it's kind he's of... He's not an endearing person. No, he's not, because, I mean, let's just get into the trailer breakdown. As we start out, we see a very young Echo leaving school, uh-huh. and she's trying to get some ice cream from a vendor. Yep. And obviously, with her being hearing impaired, uh-huh. she's trying to communicate with the vendor. Yeah, she was telling him, hey, basically, I want some ice cream, but the vendor being a real jerk just starts like closing his hands and you know on that talking hand motion you might you might have done at some point in your life and mouthing slowly to her so she can understand him and he's saying I can't understand you all the while Fisk is watching from a distance mm-hmm. and he's seeing how the vendor just brushes her off yeah and you all see all the kid wants is some ice cream yeah and you see Fisk 
get very, very angry about this. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Like oh, yeah, I say, it's his own kid. Well, yeah, you know, he's very protective of his uh, adopted daughter at this yeah. stage. That I don't know if they're going to kind of go into that route. I would imagine they'll dabble in it. They'll kind of allude to some stuff. You might get a couple of uh, flashbacks, but will we get an entire episode of a fleshed-out backstory? Probably not. No, but it's it's somebody that he obviously takes under his wing. Mm-hmm. So it, maybe not fully adopted as the legal sense, but he is her right. protector. Right. And as we see, Fisk is beating the holy snot out of this guy. <laughs> and he is wearing a beautifully pristine, probably fresh out the dry cleaner's white suit. Yeah. That looks all sorts of dressed up. He's got like a black undershirt or black something there, it, a black tie, you know, because he's got the vest and it looks like he's got a blood. So he's got the white suit jacket. Yeah, he's got the white vest and he's got a black uh, shirt underneath, all dress shirt underneath all of that, white pants, black shoes. And as he's beating, the, like you said, to borrow your your use of the phrase, uh, the holy snot out of this guy, uh, he goes to pick him up. And, uh, you know, you then start to see the entire front of his suit is covered in specks of blood. Yeah, this is his white suit is the iconic suit that we've seen him in the comics from the yep. Stanley era. Yep. So it's awesome to see it come back into fold here. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing how he's telling Maya a.k.a. Echo at the young age, don't, <laughs> don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So they do flash forward to when Maya is older, and we do see that she is fighting somebody. Uh-huh. So now at this stage, she is an enforcer, we're assuming. she's in a, It's in a skating rink of all places. Yeah, so she's now doing work for the kingpin. Uh-huh. The scene then cuts to a grave site. Yep. So we're seeing her stand over, and then they're showing also a car uh, accident happening as well, too. Is it me? And I realize I might be having to dig back in your memory a little bit. Or does it? Because I'm paused on right where the shot of the uh, graveyard is, or the other graveyard is. Does it look like the same graveyard from the first Spider-Man movie? Probably. It looks like the same graveyard. I mean, I think they've used this uh, scene a couple times. Could be. Like, I think, because if I'm not mistaken, they use, also used it when uh, Punisher was on Daredevil. Mm. So it does have that sim- the yeah. symbolism. Like, I think it's just a, a, you see that shot well, I'm in not, a lot I'm of so, movies. I'm not even talking the same shot. I'm talking the same physical location. No, that's what I mean. Like, they, oh, use, okay. the same, they use the same place. Okay. No, but I agree with you. It does look very familiar. It, very. Looks a, it looks a lot like the same graveyard from Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire. You know, though, it's a lot of... The uh, same symbolism, though. Yeah. Like yeah. I say, it's, it's the lighting is very, yeah. very similar. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe it is. Could be. We'll have to wait and see. But then we kind of fast forward to where we see Echo is getting off of her motorcycle, and we do see that she has uh, lost a leg mm-hmm. and now has a prosthetic prosthetic replacement. And we are seeing her uh, kind of hi- – it looks like she's hiding from somebody as some people are coming out of a warehouse. Well, it looks like she's trying to, like – suppress her feelings or something because Fisk is like the, the monologuing or no, not the monologuing, the voiceover of Fisk. Cause you don't actually see him saying this, but you hear Fisk talking about like, Oh, so much rage and, and you just can't contain it. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting scene that they do. And then obviously it's flashing. No bad deed goes unpunished. Yeah. And we're seeing back to this, the skating rink and you're seeing a lot of, of a scene going down where somebody, I mean, blatantly gets shot in the head. Well, and all, all the lights, so it's it's normally lit, you know, as a skating rink would be, you know, when the lights are flashing and the, you know, stuff's going around. But then all of the lights cut to red mm-hmm. as if it's like some sort of panic room type of thing. Yeah. So it was a very cool scene to see play out. Mm-hmm. 
And then the story shifts to what it appears to be a flashback sequence a little bit. A couple of quick ones, yeah. Yes, obviously tying into her history being the first in major indigenous uh, character on live-action MCU, mm-hmm. which is awesome to see. Yeah. So we are seeing a lot of her backstory kind of play out, but they have not dived into it. Yep. It's mixing in with the crime aspect of the yep. Kingpin. Yep. So we are seeing a lot of you know parallels to like two lives mm-hmm. that she's trying to live. Yeah. Then the, the story kind of shifts, like I say, when they focus on the crime, they focus on one aspect that everybody has been talking about. Yeah. And that is a scene that's right around the 126 mark. Okay. And I'm going to highlight that because we do see a certain character jump away from the lights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, Pad, who is that character? That would be one Charlie Cox in his red Daredevil costume. Yes. So everything you knew about She-Hulk... And the yellow costume uh-huh. appears to be gone. Well, I'm sure we'll get a, a reason as to why he's not wearing the same costume. Yes. But we are seeing that there is a fight sequence involved there. So it looks like this is the Matt Murdock of old, uh-huh. which obviously, if you know the character of Echo, you know they have a history there. Yeah. So I'm sure yeah. they're going to kind of play into that as well. Yeah. And they are kind of showing a flashback to of... Echo fighting some security guards that are doing Mm -hmm. uh, some very nefarious means. Yeah. And just kind of going back and forth, kind of parallel to the Kingpin. So like Mm -hmm. I say, one thing they're just trying to show is like her trying to find her own way. As much as she might not want to admit, you know, how closely they are in terms of like their action style and and just kind of what they are and their morals. They're they're more alike than she may uh, like. Yeah. So it's a very cool moment to see, and then it kind of goes ties back to the scene that we saw at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. or the trailer where he's walking with her away from the ice cream vendor. Yeah. And then it, it ends with a flashback to present. Right. And we do see the kingpin. At this point, he's wearing uh, gauze on his eye. Yeah, dude's trying to do his best Nick Fury cosplay. Yeah, because obviously the events of Hawkeye, it was assumed that Echo shot him. Mm-hmm. Well, now it seems that he has obviously survived. She was aiming for the head. She missed slightly. Right. But Echo has the gun on him. Mm -hmm. And he says, so who's the monster? Yeah. And that's how it ends. Mm -hmm. With the little tagline, all episodes streaming January 10th. So this is the first Marvel cinematic show, not on Netflix, because I know some folks are going, well, technically the uh, Marvel Netflix shows dropped all their episodes. No, 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 no. The ones made under the MCU banner. Yeah. The the Disney Plus slash Hulu ones. This is the first one, all 10 episodes, or all episodes, I should say. Uh, we don't know how many there are. At least I don't know how many there are. Uh, are dropping on the same day. Yeah. Which is going to be, pull up the calendar here, that it's November, December, January 10th. That is a Wednesday. Yeah. It's interesting they're going back to Wednesdays. Yeah. I, I will admit, as long as it's not on it uh 6 a.m. again. Well, they're all dropping at once. You can watch them at your own leisure. Yeah, which that'll be easy to do. Oh, so, yeah. So, you know, I'm excited for that yeah, aspect of we're things. We're back to seeing if I can do them all in one day again. Ugh, I don't miss those days. I'll I don't, honest. but we'll see if I can do it. But, Pat, I mean, let's let's talk about the trailer in, in retrospect here. What's what's your thoughts going into this? I'm going to make it all, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to make a leap prediction. Okay. We're going to see Punisher in some capacity in this show. Ooh. Just because you're talking bad deeds, you're talking about, you know, unpunished. 
you know, and I obviously I don't think they're dropping that line in to, you know, allude to the fact that, oh, you might see Punisher. No, the, the line is no is no good deed goes unpunished. But in this case, it's no bad deed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just I think when you're dealing with, you know, uh, kind of bounty work, crime work, whatever it is, Kingpin, Daredevil's involved. We know that uh, we'll be seeing Punisher and, and we'll be seeing him of seeing him again here in the MCU in the near future. I wouldn't be surprised. Now, I'm not saying a full-blown episode, but like I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him make an appearance in this show. That's that's going to be my elite prediction for this. I would not doubt that. Um, I do feel this. I, I will kind of back you on this aspect. I think we're going to see another Netflix MCU character show up. Okay. I'm going to say Jessica Jones Ooh. as a complete left-field guest. Okay. Because we do know, obviously, Charlie Cox's Daredevil. He's in. D'Onofrio's Kingpin is back. Uh-huh. But after that, I think this is going to be the gateway to get the Defenders universe yeah. slowly coming back to the MCU. Yeah. The only ones that I think right now are up in the air for different reasons is Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Yeah. That, yeah. But I think we've heard a lot of rumors about Jessica Jones. I know I know uh, Kristen Ritter, who played Jessica Jones, and then I'll have to look up the name because I'm blanking on it at the moment, but the guy who played Luke Cage. Have, Mike Coulter? Mike Coulter, thank you, uh, have been asked about playing the role again. It has come up with those two specifically. Obviously, you know, you, you don't have to ask Charlie Cox. Cat's already out of the bag on that one. But in terms of Mike Coulter and uh, Kristen Ritter, who played Luke Cage and Jessica Jones – uh, respectively, I I know those two have been asked fairly recently, you know, within the last couple of years, whether they would play the roles again. And they've kind of not been definitive. No, I don't want to do it. They've kind of been a little aloof about it, a little, you know, kind of like, yeah, we know they might know more than they're letting on. So uh, in terms of uh, Danny Rand, you know, and uh, Iron Fist have not heard a word about what that actor has said, whether yes or no. Uh, the only thing I've heard is I think Coulter's situation is held up. He's on that show Evil oh. for CBS. Yeah, that's true. So that's been the only thing preventing him. Right. So, but this was a while ago. Because the other thing, too, is uh, Mike Coulter and Kristen Ritter are like real good friends in, yeah. in real life. Yeah. So I would say it would probably make sense to bring them both back. Um. The Danny Rand question is, is interesting. Yeah. Because I know that. Iron Fist was arguably the least popular mm-hmm. of well, I mean, of the Netflix shows. I think it was the least popular. Yeah, but as far as what they want to do with the character, I'm not sure. Like, I think that that was the kind of the biggest bubble mm-hmm. that we were kind of waiting to see what was going to happen there. But I do think that we're going to see that the John Bernthal question as Frank Castle. That's going to be interesting. Uh, did dig it up. There has been nothing recently as to uh, Finn Jones is the actor who played, Thank you, yeah. played Danny Rand in the Netflix Iron Fist shows. But uh, the, in an article dated on, uh, what is this, about 10 months ago, so back in uh, December, back in December, late December, uh, he did do an interview with Geekscape, and he was asked if he'd want to return to the MCU as Iron Fist. And uh, here's his response. Quote, I'd love another chance. I care about Danny Rand deeply. I believe in that character. I think there's a lot of work to be done. There's something about the underdog, you know? I love the underdog narrative. I love the ability to prove something wrong, and I want to prove all those motherfuckers wrong. I know I have it in me, and I know I can give the Danny Rand performance that fans want, and that is possible, close quote. I believe him, 
And like I say, if he came back, I wouldn't be mad. No. The problem with the writing was terrible. Well, that's the biggest problem we have with Iron Fist. I, and this is just my opinion as a comic reader. Outside of him being paired with Luke Cage and uh, Heroes for Hire situation, mm-hmm. there's only been one series, in my opinion, that has nailed it perfectly, and that was the Matt Fraction one. Mm-hmm. So, if they, and that's where they were going with at the end of season two of Iron Fist. Right. So, the fact we never got that, I am always disappointed about it, but... It's tricky to write him as a lead. Right. Iron Fist has always been a, a good side character. Yeah. So if you compare him with Luke Cage and do Heroes for Hire, you're going to have a win there. It's just a matter of you want to do that. But that's the thing with the MCU. We don't know. Like I say, there's just a lot of X factors involving the Netflix characters coming over. Like I think if we, if we were going to do percentage-wise. Sure. I think Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones is a 75%. That's that's a fairly good lock, I would say. Yeah, I would say that that's probably the most safe bet of her returning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are all separate out of 100%, so I want to kind of clarify. Sure. John Bernthal is a 50-50. It's not because of him. He He's willing to do it, but he has gone on record and said the story has to be right. Yeah, which with Frank Castle and what they've done in the comics lately, right? and we'll talk about this at, at the end of the show too, I don't know if they would want to try doing a different version of the Punisher. Right. But it's nothing against Bernthal's performance. He's amazing as Frank Castle. But it depends on what story they want to do. Sure. Mike Coulter, I think, is tied up with the contract. That's a messy situation. That's where I'm going with it. So I'll say him, as of right now, I'll throw a 40% chance. Sure, sure. But like I say, it just it depends on the deal with the contract. That's to my knowledge and just the stuff I've heard. Quick check on IMDb. It looks like that show is still going because, admittedly, I don't watch it. Right. I don't watch it either. I don't watch it. They did a panel at at one of the cons lately. The last episode that released was season three, episode 10, uh, The Demon of the End, which was released on Sunday, August 14th of 2022. So it's been over a year, which and now when you go to IMDb, there is a season four tab and there is nine episodes listed under season four. But obviously, with everything going on, if it's one of those streaming shows that's on Paramount Plus that only releases once a year, then it probably would have come out by now. But with everything going on between the writer strike and the actor strike, that's obviously been put on hold. Yeah, it's it's been on CBS if I'm not mistaken. So, oh, okay. so, but I admit I don't watch the show either. I listen; it's not my cup of Java, folks. Sure. So I just don't drink it. But I think in that kind of situation, and the and the Finn Jones one. That one, I'd say, is a 25% chance. Yeah. Just just with how Iron Fist was received that on was, Netflix. That was, that was pretty universal. People didn't like it. Yeah. I was kind of wishy-washy. Like, it's not bad. It's not great. But looking back, it's really not good. Well, the problem you have with that, with not going into cr- too much of a crazy side tangent, Daredevil was perfect. Yeah. So the bar was set too high. Daredevil was perfect. So was Jessica Jones season one. Season one was... Season one of Jessica Jones was incredible and even season one of iron or uh luke cage luke yeah this season season one of luke cage was incredible yeah but then i think you took a detour in my opinion with iron fist and the defenders yeah i think i think and jessica jones season two we've been very critical about on the show i think it was the same thing with luke cage yeah i think both those sophomore seasons really hurt well the thing the thing and again not to get to a whole tangent but yeah i mean some of the choices they made but this goes back to you got to remember this wasn't Kevin Feige and the folks over in, right. at Marvel Studios making the decision. This was Marvel Television. This was pre under the same banner. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. 
So, like I say, if they want to do this, this is a great gateway for it. Yeah. But I also think this is a great showcase for what fans can expect out of Maya Lopez. Right. And this can be a good avenue to get some new fans that, you know, might be a little hesitant to jump into the MCU because I looked it up. As I mentioned, there's 32 movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's before we get to the television shows. And then when you factor in how much time, the, the one number I saw was 68.6 hours of of movies. Oh, yeah. Which if you sit down and watch those start to finish, it will take you almost three days straight watching to watch through, which not everybody's going to do. But when you tell somebody, hey, to watch this show, you're going to need to watch 32 movies, 60, 68, 60, 70 hours worth of content just to understand what the hell's going on. You're going to get almost everybody who hasn't seen the MCU you looking at you going, screw you, I'm not watching that. Yeah. But that's the nice thing with this is if you get somebody who says, hey, you, you, you go up to somebody on the street or somebody you know at work, home, school, whatever, and say, hey, I think you should really check this show out. This show's really awesome. Oh, but it's a Marvel show. I don't know if I want to necessarily have to rewatch everything or watch everything. You can sit there and go, hey, you don't need to. This is completely separate from anything else. You can watch it without knowing a thing. Yeah. And like I say, I, th- I think the character of Maya Lopez is going to win a lot of people over. Yeah, I and think I, so too. And I think they're going to really show just a very unique story going on because it's not going to be all crime-based. Like I say, I, yeah. lo- I love the shots of her Native American history yeah. coming into play. Yeah. And, and like I say, she is a groundbreaking character as well too because like she's the first major indigenous character to be live action mm-hmm. on, on, on any MCU show, which is amazing. And, uh, you know, like I say, with her being a deaf character as well, yeah. too. Any any chance you get to show, you know, the Native American culture in any sort of capacity is all right in my book. Amazing, too, yeah. I, I've gotten to see in my travels over the years some of the uh, sites and stuff over in the southwest of the United States. And it is some of the most gorgeous stuff I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I'm all for it. And especially, like, too, how she, she does represent the deaf community as yeah. well, too. Like yeah. I say, she's she's gonna be, she should get an Emmy out of this. You would you would hope so. At least a nomination. Because like I yeah. say, everything we've seen so far is nothing but win out of this. Mm-hmm. And I think for anybody that's been claiming about superhero fatigue, I hate that <laughs> statement <laughs> with a visceral passion. Yeah, it comes up once a year. It comes up, but it's like if the quality of work is good and you see yeah. the actors getting that passion behind it, and Cox has been very good about really getting behind this. Cox is so passionate about his performance as, as Matt Murdock. He lost out on a, a role in the solo movie. Oh, yeah, no. I'm Because no. Uh, because he had been acting for so long without looking at people when he went to audition for the Star Wars Han Solo movie. He didn't look at the people he was auditioning in front of, and that kind of got him out of the role. No, I actually meant Alka Cox. Oh, Al- Alka playing, Cox. Okay. Yeah, playing, but even, even Charlie, too. Like I say, they're all excited to be back yeah. and doing this. Even and, D'Onofrio. Yeah, that's why I said D'Onofrio when what, I was a boy. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is to Kingpin what uh, Viola Davis is to Amanda Waller. Yeah. Literal perfect casting. Yeah, so like I say, there's nothing but win on here. And everything we've seen thus far, I think they, I think they have a huge hit on their hands. Mm-hmm. It just depends on... Is the fans going to be excited to jump into a new character, which I think they will? I think so. Because I think the only thing that's hurting right now, just in my opinion, just to kind of close this out very quickly, I think just the whole deal with the strike yeah, is just weighing heavy on everybody. Yeah. That it's kind of like, you know, they don't want to get attached to a new new show because they know if the strike is still prolonged, yeah, it's going to be forever before we see more. Well, and, that, and that's the reason, you know, when the numbers come out of the number one stream shows, you know, Suits has been number one for like a record length of time mm-hmm. and Grey's Anatomy is number two right behind it. Yeah. 
you know, because you know, there's nothing. You think about it. There's nothing coming out on on you know basic cable. You know, CBS, NBC, uh, ABC, Fox has got new stuff coming out, but that's all game show related. Mm-hmm. You know, but in terms of like the oh, I can't wait for insert new insert returning show here you know chicago fire one of the dick wolf shows or you know new season of Grey's anatomy or something on cbs you know one of their shows they're not coming back because you had the writer strike go on for so long and now you've got the actor strike which is still ongoing yeah so there's nothing for them to show you know because they couldn't write anything even though they could film stuff and then they couldn't film or write anything so you've got folks looking to turn and watch some stuff and, and they're turning to what's already been on yeah but you know what? This is a big win if the, if the MCU can kind of kickstart the next phase properly with this. Yeah. And like we say, as we're recording, the strike is still going on. Yep. Hopefully, it's done by the end of this week. Uh, yeah. Apparently, verbiage is now the issue. So. Yeah. Well, it, it's a couple of sticking points the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But either way, though, cooler heads got to prevail. Yeah. And I think once we get there, I think there's gonna be a lot of win for everybody. So we'll have to wait how to see this plays out on January 10th. But in the meantime. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about the first trailer for Echo hitting Disney Plus via Marvel Studios on January 10th? All episodes streaming, so make sure you switch the dial to the TVMA because this is not going to be one for the kids, folks. Oh, no, it's not. But it's going to be one for the fans, so let's talk about it in the meantime, shall we? But that's after a quick break because we'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast and capping off the Marvel Cinematic Universe content. We are back at the theaters this week. Yeah, we are. With a movie that is unfortunately polarizing. Yeah. I, I don't get why. I'm hey, sorry. Hey, listen, I'm excited for it. It's Marvel's almost annual pre- birthday present to me. My birthday present or my birthday is this week. Uh, and almost every year, and I say almost every year because it doesn't happen every year. Almost every year, I get a movie from them in the month of November, usually right around or on my birthday. So, Mm. hey, Marvel, thank you. Exactly. And for me, I'm super excited to see this movie because this is the sequel to 2019's Captain Marvel. Hard to believe it's been that long. Yeah, it's crazy to think. Although, then again, we are technically in our timeline post-Endgame, Yeah, which is wild to think about. It's crazy to think about, but yet here we are. All these years later, and we finally have the sequel to Captain Marvel, entitled The Marvels. Mm-hmm. So Brie Larson is reprising the role as Carol Danvers. Tiana Paris is reprising her role as Monica Rambeau. And Aman Vellani is reprising her role as Kamala Khan in the new version of the MCU with all the Marvels involved, Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. And and in the comics, it was it, uh, Captain Marvel, who's been Photon and yep. some different names. And, of course, Carol Danvers as well. So there's a lot of speculation going on with this, a lot of questions that we all have. We do know Flurkins are going to be involved. A lot of them. A lot of them. They had an entire press junket with cats the other day. 
Yeah, which, which I loved. Was cool. Exactly. So with what has gone down since the events of Avengers Endgame, there's been a lot of question marks about where you know Carol Danvers and mm-hmm. company are going to be standing. So mm-hmm. what we're just going to be doing for this is giving you our speculation of what's going to go down here. Obviously, some theories we might have. So I don't want to say it's going to be even spoiler talk because we don't really know. Yeah, just, no. Know, just, I mean, just to kind of gauge the excitement we have for this because I am truly excited to go see this. I think that Captain Marvel has been a really good movie. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Monica Rambeau has been such a great character to add to the MCU. Tiana Paris has been doing great whenever we've been able to see her on screen. Mm-hmm. And Amon Vellani has really won everybody over as Kamala Khan. Yeah. And obviously with what happened at the end of the Miss Marvel TV show that you know allegedly she might be a mutant after all, which in the comics has now happened. That's It's occurred. You know, it's really happened. It's going to be interesting to see the dynamic of everybody getting together to fight this new threat because we really don't have a lot of details about who we're going to be seeing as the antagonist here. The only thing we know of is they released a trailer, uh, you know, today. It's the final trailer. And whoever it is they're facing, it appears that all three of their powers, uh, so all three being Carol, Monica Rambeau, and Kamala Khan, uh, their powers enhance this person. Yeah. Or, or, Or basically, like, it doesn't affect them. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing with the power set involved because mm-hmm. it's it's cosmic, it's Kree, it's you know, you can deal with any of the Kree scroll yeah um, war that has been going on for eons. In Usually, the where Carol shows up, Krees and scrolls are not far behind. Right, and in this situation, I think we're going to see some of that play out. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly sure to what degree, but I think we're going to definitely see something happened here there'll probably be a mention of like a kree scroll war marvel likes to drop it in the comics every couple of issues well if anybody's not familiar with that that was a very big storyline in the 70s for marvel Mm -hmm. and it was one that the avengers were were featured very prominently in and it's one that really made an impact for its time Mm -hmm. i know they did operation galactic storm years later i'm sorry in my opinion missed the mark it's sure just my deal on that sure but I think for if they want to try doing a version of the Kree Scroll War in this kind of capacity, I think this is not a bad idea to try doing with Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And obviously, to see how it ties in with everybody else, I think it's going to be fun to see because one thing that we have been seeing as MCU fans mm-hmm. is the cosmic stuff can work with the pop culture audience. Yeah. Prime example Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So if it's done well, it will work. And. I think this one is going to be one that definitely stands out for that distinction as well. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's going to open the door and we're going to see a lot more. I mean, we have heard for, it seems like forever, Nova is coming. Yeah. Silver Surfer now with the rights back to Marvel. That has been another one that's had a lot of actors tagged to it. Mm-hmm. And to see where we go now in the post-Guardians era, I think it's great to see a cosmic story play out. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're going to tie into one that's very classic with the X or the Avengers line, I think it's a big win. Mm-hmm. Because now you're in a whole new phase. I don't think you're going to see Kang involved here. No, probably not. I, I just don't see that playing out. But I could see, however, they want to set the stage for the new Avengers come to begin here. I, th- I think this, you know, we won't necessarily see stuff for the multiverse aspect of things in this, but whatever they want to do down the road, I think they might start to plant some seeds here, you know, and, and they're not immediately going to grow into blossoming trees immediately. But, you know, if, if like you said, the Kree scroll war, big story in the seventies, if they want to do a Captain Marvel three movie and they want to do 
that is the storyline for the third one and her involvement with stopping that, preventing that, helping one side, helping the other side, whatever they want to do with it, you know, they could go that route. You know, whatever, like I said, I, I don't think uh, it's going to be Kang. I, I, we're not, this is, this is probably safe, but we're not going to get any mention of Kang or what's going on with that per se, unless somebody shows up in the end in like a bonus scene at the end and go and calling Fury going, you need to get here ASAP. Or, or something to that effect. But I, I don't think this is gonna this movie's gonna factor into the multiverse side of stuff very much at all. I don't think it should. No. I mean no. the only thing we know is Samuel L. Jackson is back as Nick Fury. Yep. And obviously dealing with the ramifications of secret invasion. <laughs> oh boy. I think there's gonna be a lot on on his plate, so to speak. Fury, you got some splaining to do. Yeah. So I think that that might be the only thing that kind of ties into recent yeah. MCU yeah. events. Yeah. Well, These, that that and what happens. Uh, Obviously, with the the end scene from uh, Ms. Marvel. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of questions answered and I think mm-hmm. more raised out of this. And mm-hmm. especially, there's a lot of hype centered around a scene in the trailer that just came out, too. Yeah. And if you go to the latest MCU uh, Marvel's trailer mm-hmm. and you get to about the 145 mark. Mm-hmm. There is a figure that walks by mm-hmm. one Monica Rambeau and looks like that she's in a medical bay of some sort. Yep. And the question mark is, who is that? And the internet is going wild and, with their speculations. And the internet is coming up with a lot of theories. Yeah, they are. And to be honest with you, I've seen it. I don't know who it is. No. Um, because, And I think a lot of people are jumping to that conclusion of, like, it's somebody crazy. Because right before you see that scene... A voiceover of Fury says they're here, and then somebody with you know a power or whatever lands on a a loading dock of some sort in outer space. You can't see who it is, and then the next shot is that figure walking by. Could it be somebody? Sure. Will it be somebody major? Probably not. It's probably just a hype up, get you intrigued to go see the movie, and oh my god, I got to see who this is. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing about it is I don't I don't necessarily know if they would go the X Men route here because I because the thing they talk about in this trailer is like oh you know they mentioned uh, what is it like another dimension bleeding through into theirs or whatever. So my guess is it's a stitched together thing that the they're here is a line Fury says in the movie when the villains show up mm-hmm. that they've been prepping the entire time. And again, I don't know shit. I'm yeah. just top of my head speculating that the line they're here is from. You know, some point in the movie where they're prepping, they're prepping, they're prepping. They might have little incursions. They're fighting back because, hey, Captain Mark, uh, Carol Danvers is the strongest one in, in this universe. You know, the, she's holding them back, holding them back. And finally, Fury goes, oh, shit, they're here. The landing is either Carol or Monica showing up or uh, appearing on the the platform. Because the one thing we've seen in some previous trailers is they keep switching places. Mm-hmm. The three of them, Carol, Monica, and Kamala. So that's my guess of what the shot is. And then somebody walking by, it's just a random shot from in the movie or may not even be in the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. We don't know. I mean, Marvel has been known to throw those out there to get fans talking. <laughs> they love their misdirection in the trailers. Yeah. Case, so, case in point, seeing the Hulk in Infinity War. Yeah. So, I mean, anything is spectacle about there is speculation about this. Yeah. I mean, that's the one. It's fun. But it's, it's fun. Don't get yourself so hyped up that you're going to see something and then, you know, get in the movie fully expecting it and then go get all pissy that you didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing that's for certain here is we're going to get a bonus scene. Oh, yeah. That, that's a guarantee. And, and there is a lot of hype about seeing a familiar face come back. That's the only thing I've heard. Now, okay. now to what degree? Okay. I don't know. I mean, this could be anybody from a show that we haven't seen in a while. Like, mm-hmm. 
Is it possible maybe Black Bolt? Maybe. Wow. That would be a hell of a surprise. Because I'll I'll throw this out there. Wow. Because here here is why. I never thought we'd see that uh, franchise again. I would say with, if you want to do the speculation talk here, we do know that Marvel Secret Wars is allegedly the last film that is on the slate for Phase 5. That we know of, yeah. Correct. Obviously, if you know the comic written by Jonathan Hickman, Secret Wars, we deal with the Illuminati. Right. We have had speculation since Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness about the Illuminati showing up in the MCU. Right. We do know that if you want to do Space Odyssey, there is some stories with Black Bolt involved. Uh Uh-huh. And I could see that character showing up. So I dug it up. Marvel.com slash movies is where I am sourcing this from. So obviously we've got The Marvels, which is releasing November 10th, 2023. Uh, that After that, and these are the dates they have on their own website. So if you're listening to this in the future, that's not the right date. Sue me. It's it's what, it's what we have as of recording time. Timestamp when we print this episode or, or publish this episode. Yeah. Uh, so after that is the untitled Deadpool movie, which is slated for uh, May 3rd of next year. After mm. that, you've got Captain America Brave New World, which is slated for July 26th of next year. Then you've got Thunderbolts, which is slated for December of next year. After that, we're into 2025, and you've got Blade in February. Fantastic Four, which is slated for May of 2025. Then you've got Avengers The Kang Dynasty, slated for May of 2026. And then Avengers Secret Wars slated for May 7th of 2027. Obviously, there's some holes in there because, you know, they typically don't go back to back a year apart with uh, Avengers movies without some stuff in between. But as we know right now, yes, Avengers Secret Wars is the last thing they have announced. So if you got to do that, you got to establish the Illuminati and what it causes. Yeah, you do. Which, I mean, they kind of did when you look back at, uh, what was it, Doctor Strange 2? Right, right. But that was also killed off one and done. Yeah, that's true. But at least the idea, the premise is there. Right. So that would be an ultimate throw that we haven't seen the Inhumans in a while. I'm sure they were left for dead. It does make sense. That's what we thought. Well, yeah. But, I mean, if you think about it with the with the Space Odyssey part. Yeah. It's somebody we haven't, you know, you got to think outside the box with this. Yeah. yeah. Could, could it be, I mean, I'll tell you what, if, if this is the case, the Internet's going to explode for 24 hours. If it's Richard Ryder, a.k.a. Nova, and they introduce him. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to see a lot of people kind of lose their stuff for a day. Right. It'll be the true comic fans that will. Right. I'm going to go out of limits. I'm going to say it's Black Bolt. Okay. I, I'm going to okay. just take a long shot because I think the safe money would be like if it's Reed Richards coming through a time portal. Right. Like maybe the Fantastic Four because allegedly, and note how I word that, Right. casting is done. Uh, looking at also Marvel.com and specifically Marvel.com slash teams and groups slash Illuminati. According to them, the current lineup of the Illuminati is Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Mr. Fantastic, Beast uh, from the X-Men, Iron Man, and Black Bolt. Yeah. So, so like possible. It's possible. Like I say, it's not going to be Tony Stark. I, no. I, would str- <laughs> I mean, if it is, uh, I will guarantee you that uh, the Marvels will be the highest grossing film of 2023 because people are going to run to the theaters. Yeah, to one, once the word gets out of that, and it ain't going to take long. Once the word gets out about that, yeah, there are going to be a lot of people rushing to see it. Yeah, but that's what I think. I, I think we're going to see a surprise character, and it would make sense. I mean, if they want to try doing 
that aspect, especially with how Black Bolt, Black Bolt would make sense. I mean, because just going off of that list of what we know, okay, we know it's not going to be Beast because they haven't introduced the X Men yet. Mm. Uh, could be Black Panther. It could it could be Shuri, but eh, maybe maybe not. Doctor Strange, we know it can't be because he the, because of the end scene from yeah, Do- yeah, Doctor he, Strange. He, yeah, too. you can cross him. Off. He he's uh, not available right now. So and then obviously Iron Man dead. But again, unless they decide to go wicked out of left field. You know, could be. So, no, I mean, if, if we do see somebody from the Illuminati show up off of that list, if they decide to go with the current run or the current members, uh, Black Bolt's about the only one you'd have available. And plus, I mean, there is ties with him and one Peter Quill, and we do know the Quill is on Earth. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah. I'm listen, I'm going to just throw this out there. If I'm right, I will take my victory lap next week. Because I could also see it being Blue Marvel. Oh, okay. Um, which I mean, does it ties in with the Ultimates, not the Ultimates universe, but the Ultimates in comics? Uh, Carol Danvers does have ties with that team, mm-hmm. so that could be a situation there. Yeah. Um, you know, like I say, I think we're gonna see a big cameo though of somebody. Probably. I'm just gonna throw the Black Bolt thing out there because I think, like I say, all roads point to Secret Wars. Right. So I wouldn't say we're gonna see a mutant, even though it would be crazy if we did. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say that's where I'm going to go with this and just have some fans really scratching their heads about this one. Except if you really know the comics and you really see how things are, are lining up, I think yeah, I think we can kind of see where it's going. Yeah. That's that's just me. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, I'm excited about this film. No, um, I am too. I mean, you, you got Taona Paris, you know, getting to fully you know spread her wings and play. Yes. Monica Rambeau, just because she's been good, but she hasn't gotten that chance to, like, fully spread her wings. She's always been, like, a uh, side character co-star you know, in whatever she's been in to this point, you know, now she's going to be one of the main attractions for this movie. So to see her finally get to spread her wings fully and play the role is going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited to see her and just the back and forth with her and Carol Danvers' character. Boy, that's going to be awkward. I love it. Yeah, I'm here for this. I am so here for this. Like I say, I think this is going to be a surprise hit. I think that if you're going in with a negative idea already, like, why? Yeah. Like, Why waste your time? Yeah, I mean, if if you really don't like a movie that much, just don't go see it. Yeah, like just try, wait till it hits streaming. Yeah, it's fine. We but you don't need to sit there and just sway everybody that's excited about it. Like, be a fan. That's one thing that you know. Over the week, I guess as we're getting closer to the movie, I'm I'm seeing more and more people get ramped up about it, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, why? Well, like, that's the popular thing to do. Yeah, which it is, gets the clicks. Yeah, it's just like at the same time, it's just like. At this day and age, like we don't need to. Like, if you don't like something, just don't watch it. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. Yeah. Don't. And if you're excited about this film, be excited about it. Like, don't have, don't let anybody sway you about that. Like, if you want to be excited about something, be excited about yeah. it. You know, like I say, there's a lot of comics out there that I might not exactly gravitate towards, but I see people excited about. It, and I'm like, yeah, you know, cool, awesome. Yeah. Same thing with TV. Same thing with movies. But that's the whole thing about it. And I think this one is going to be a surprise. I think it's going to be a little more lighthearted than we've seen in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But I think where it leads to, you know, like I say, I'm thinking they're going to be doing their version of the Kree Scroll War. Probably. I wouldn't doubt we see Korvac as a villain at some stage in this. Could be. That's a deep dive if you know your Avengers lore. And I'm going to say, I think the bonus scene is going to be uh, we see Black Bolt show up somewhere doing something. I might go deaf if that happens because people are going to be screaming what so loudly. Yeah. That or who is that? Yeah. <laughs> And I'll, I'll, Probably the second one. I will just have my Roman Reigns acknowledge me in the theater. <laughs> but you know what? Let's have that speculation talk. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Pad, you're excited about this movie? Absolutely. I'm excited about this movie. The Marvels hits theaters this Thursday as we record. So let's talk about it. What's your biggest guesses? Are you excited about this film? Are you not? And why? And who do you think is going to be in the bonus scene? 
If you think it's going to be the X-Men, you think it's going to be Deadpool, do you think it's going to be Tony Stark? How about Steve Rogers? Let's throw those guesses out there, and uh, let's talk about it, shall we? But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you better listen to the ODPH podcast, or I'm coming for you, and Batman is coming for you. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad, let's talk some entertainment. Got some things to talk about, uh, first of which is some breaking news. Hey, now. Uh, you remember way back when, uh, probably like the early, mid-2000s, 2000, mid 2000s, uh, IGN did the super fucking convincing Legend of Zelda trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that yeah. was the April Fool's joke. Ever since, there's been rumors of it, and it's been like, eh. Oh, God, yeah. It's been every year, like, they're going to do a live action. It's been officially announced by the folks at Nintendo that they're doing a live action Legend of Zelda movie. Really? Yes. So reading from an article on Variety.com, it reads, quote, Nintendo has announced a live action film based on The Legend of Zelda, Shigeru Miyamoto announced. The gaming legend and creator of the Zelda franchise took to Nintendo's official Twitter account, uh, because I refuse to call it X, uh, to write, quote, This is Miyamoto. I have been working on the live action film of The Legend of Zelda for many years now with Avi Aronson, who has produced many mega hit films. I have asked Avi-san to produce this film with me, and we have now officially started development of the film with Nintendo itself heavily involved in the production. Really? It will take time until its completion, but I hope forward. I hope you look forward to seeing it. Close quote. Uh, the article in Variety goes on to say, the movie will be directed by Wes Ball, who helmed The Maze Runner and the upcoming Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, and produced by Miyamoto, whose involvement in 2023's The Super Mario Brothers movie helped make it a groundbreaking box office success. Close quote. So... I think this is a great idea. You know, obviously, Legend of Zelda, storied gaming franchise, a lot of history, a lot of stuff you can do it with. But you've got Nintendo involved. You've got the dude who literally created it involved in the creation and the the production process. So how the hell can you go wrong with that? Mm -hmm. You know, and the fact that Nintendo's involved. I mean, look at look at the Mario movie when it was officially announced that they were doing a Mario movie. I think a lot of us thought back to that live action movie they did. And then we went, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. But then you go flash forward to when the movie actually came out, highest grossing animated movie of the year or something absurd like that. You know, so I think this is a whole bucket of win. I don't care when this comes out. I'm going to absolutely, absolutely be there to see it. You know, this is going to be one that a lot of fans are going to be really critical of. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the, the Legend of Zelda, if anybody is for whatever reason not familiar with. Right. One of the biggest video game franchises on the planet. Massive following. Yeah. I would say right underneath Mario Brothers and yeah. right underneath Sonic, maybe? Yeah, yeah. May, like, the Sonic thing you can debate because it's been a hot minute since we've seen uh, anything like that. There are literal, like, hour-long videos devoted to just the timeline of Legend of Zelda. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. Also insane is the director, Wes Ball, tweeted his hopes to direct a Legend of Zelda movie 13 years ago. Put the karma on the world, folks. So, and from his official Twitter account, at Wes Ball, uh, in a tweet... Uh, dated at 9.55 in the morning on the 1st, uh, or excuse me, the 29th of January from 2010. Quote, since I could never even hope to have the chance to direct it, the next big motion capture Avatar-like movie should be The Legend of Zelda, close quote. Well, you know, it always says, put the karma out in the world. You never know what's going to yeah. hit. So, you know, kudos to them. 
Uh, and speaking of West Ball, and as we alluded to, there was a trailer that came out for the upcoming Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes movie, which is releasing, uh, what day is this? Because I know it's on Memorial Day, but I'm never familiar with what day of the week. The uh, you know, I'd say right now with SAG going on, card subject to change. Card subject to change. It's currently scheduled for a May t- uh, 24th, 2024 release date. Uh, this does appear to be an, uh, a continuation of the Matt Reeves films that we saw, which I think you and I both enjoyed. Love the Matt Reeves uh, yeah, but this, uh, according to, it, it does look like it's going to be a continuation because not much of the trailer to go really on. It's a little short of two minutes. Uh, we do see Caesar in the film, so it looks like it's going to be a continuation of that. I'm super excited for this. I will be there to see this. I cannot wait for this. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with some more movie news, you remember Barbenheimer being a joke in a whole thing? Yeah, it was like for the, you know, because it was Offheimer and Barbie um, and Oppenheimer yeah, you know, yeah, coming yeah. out the same day. It's actually going to be a movie now. What? Yeah, so uh, reading from an article on HollywoodReporter.com, quote, Film industry cynics may take one look at the new at a newly announced low-budget comedy called Barbenheimer and a poster that uses Barbie's iconic pink font over a picture of a nuclear explosion and features the tagline, quote, D-cup, A-bomb, and immediately assume it's simply a shameless attempt to cash in on a very recent cultural phenomenon, and those cynics would be absolutely correct, says Charlie Band. The prolific B-movie icon who has been making low-budget horror comedies since the 19, early 1970s. Quote, it's 100% true, he says, but it's also an opportunity to have fun with the bizarre coupling of these two movies and the combinations of Barbie's vibes and the darkness of Oppenheimer. You mix that together and you have such an opportunity for dark humor, close quote. Barbenheimer, selling at the American film market uh, with AMP, uh, Bar, uh, follows Dr. Barbie Bambi J. Barbenheimer, a brilliant scientist doll living in Daltopia, a world of endless summers and beach parties, and her boyfriend Twink Dahlman. So far, so uh, so far, so Greta Gerwig's neon-colored billion-dollar uh, mega hit. Uh, turning Christopher Nolan's distinctly less pink dial up a notch, our Dr. Barbenheimer, incensed by the brutal treatment of the dolls receive, dolls receive at the hands of human children, ventures into the real world where she expe- uh, experiences humanity at its worst and naturally decides to build a giant nuclear bomb to take it all out. Quote, they got great looks and a super attitude. Oh, and now they've got the bomb, reads the synopsis, close quote. This sounds stupid. This sounds utterly ridiculous. I might check it out when it releases. Yeah, on, not gonna on, lie, like I think just how absurd it is. I might check it out when it releases on digital. Yeah, like I'm not gonna pay like 15 bucks to go see it in theaters if it even releases locally. But when it hits uh, digital, I'll pay like three, four bucks to rent. Yeah, it. we might have to throw it and just watch that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm willing to throw in a dollar. Uh, and then switching over to some television news uh, and what was the least surprising news, but officially confirmed. Yeah. Superman and Lois is going to be ending after season four. Uh, reading from an article on entertainmentweekly.com, it says, quote, it's hard to kill Superman, but his days on the CW are numbered and it's not because of kryptonite. The network announced on Thursday that Superman and Lois will end after season four. The DC Comics drama starring Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tulloch as the titular couple will return in 2024 with a 10 episode final season. Quote, we're. Uh, while we're sad to say goodbye to Superman and Lois at the end of the se- at the end of season four, we're grateful for the time we've had with our amazing cast, crew, VFX teams, editors, musical geniuses, and writers. Showrunners Todd Helbing and Brent Fletcher said in a statement: "Since the day this show was first discussed, it was uh, it was about family. 
uh, and that's what it, that's what it was created on and off screen. We'd like to thank our partners at Berlanti Productions, DC, WB, and the CW for their endless support and enthusiasm during this journey and give a very special thank you to all the fans for tuning in, close quote. Well, you know, we've grown up with this show. Yeah, we have. Like I say, this has been something that if, if you're a longtime listener to the ODPH, first and mm-hmm. foremost, thank you for checking us out. Yeah. We have covered this since day one. We have been in love with the show. Yeah, we have. That This has been, I think, you and I have both universally raved about this show Mm -hmm. when it's been good i think they've only had in the entire run maybe two possibly three hiccup episodes one for certain one for certain season two one for certain the other two eh, maybe maybe but i think they they've nailed why you love superman yeah and i i think that we both know obviously with a lot of changes that were going on budgets and all that nonsense yeah 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 we knew the writing was on the wall well oh yeah and once it was announced that season because season 4 being only 10 episodes was now announced a while ago yeah so we were kind of like all right seems like the and especially with you know flash ending and you know all the other dc CW shows ending. Mm-hmm. That like the Flash was the last one remaining, and then the once the Flash ended, the Arrowverse was gone, and that left uh, Superman and Lois. Was just the way things had been going. We're like, all right, clearly DC stuff is not in the CW's future. Right. So we we figured once they so once we had speculation because they because those other shows got canceled before the ten episode season four got announced, and we we're kind of like, all right. We might want to brace ourselves. This could be coming. And then once they announced 10 episodes season four after being doing like 20 something in the last two, we're like, all right, yeah, this the writing's on the wall. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing about it, too. Like, I think that you have to kind of sit there and, and see the big picture. And, the, mm-hmm. and and let's face it, everything we know about DC as far as live action is going mm-hmm. through Saffron and Gun. Mm-hmm. So we knew it was only a matter of time. But yeah. we have to, I mean, we'll get into a more deep dive when the final episode plays. Yeah. But you have to appreciate what this caused yeah. on the small screen that ignited an entire movement, mm-hmm. which was the Arrowverse. Yeah. And to see how it, it's going to cap off, I mean, it's going to be a bittersweet day. I'll be honest. I didn't think anything could come close to my love for Smallville because Smallville is and will always be in my top three favorite TV shows of all time. Yeah. God damn it. This is Superman and Lois is close. Yeah, it is. Very close. Uh, And speaking of stuff that's going to be coming out in 2024, uh, it was announced by HBO Network Chief Casey Bloys that House of the Dragon Season 2 is going to be premiering in early summer 2024. Uh, So, yeah, according to an article from Variety.com, quote, House of the Dragon Season 2 will premiere in early summer 2024 uh, on HBO. Network Chief Casey Bloys announced during a press event in New York on Thursday. At the media presentation, the first trailer for the second season screened exclusively for reporters, but details about the contents of the footage were kept under an embargo. Uh, during a Q&A portion of the event, Blois said he expects that Game of Thrones spinoff, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight, will begin shooting next spring, pending the end of the ongoing sag after strike. Based on author George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones book, Fire and Blood, House of the Dragon follows the Targaryen dynasty in the fictional continent of Westeros. It takes place nearly 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones and about 100 years after the Targaryens united the Seven Kingdoms. I think you and I both agreed the season one was fucking incredible. Season one was really good. Matt Smith all day. Uh, and I'm glad with everything going on, we won't have to wait super long for season two. I'll be honest, I was kind of wondering about that. Yeah, me too. But you know what? 
the sooner they get going on it, the better. Mm-hmm. And like I say, Matt Smith all day. Speaking of things we're, we're going to have to be waiting for, also HBO related, uh, Last of Us Season 2. This one, eh, not so good news. Mm. Uh, article on Variety.com reads, quote, The Last of Us Season 2 will enter early production will enter production in early 2024, announced HBO boss Casey Bloys at a press conference Thursday morning. The CEO noted that the WGA and SAG after strikes had delayed production of the hit show's sophomore season. The Last of Us was not on the network's 2024 slate presentation, meaning it could land in 2025 at the earliest. The first season of The Last of Us became an instant hit when it premiered on HBO in January 2023. Based on the massively popular PlayStation video game of the same name, the show follows a smuggler named Joel uh, in a post-apocalyptic America years after the world has been crippled by a deadly fungus. Uh, so again, you and I both love this show, and I, I think for a lot of people, this one not entirely surprising. No, not at all. With everything going on with the strikes, figured this one would be well, but it's nice to get some uh, confirmation. Uh, and lastly, and certainly not leastly with the streaming news, well, we know what's happening to Hulu, uh, and that is Disney is going to be buying it for at least $8.6 billion. Jeez. Uh, so reading from an article on, you guessed it, Variety.com, uh, the article reads, quote, Disney is on the cusp of becoming the 100% owner of Hulu. The media conglomerate announced that it expects to pay $8.61 billion to Comcast to acquire the cable operator's 33% stake in Hulu following Comcast's November 1st exercise of its right under the put-slash-call arrangement between the two companies. Disney owns the other two-thirds stake in Hulu. Quote, the acquisition of Comcast stake in Hulu at fair market value will further uh, further Disney's streaming objectives, uh, Disney said in a statement Wednesday. Under the terms of the sale agreement, by December 1st, Disney said it anticipates they, that it will pay Comcast approximately $8.61 billion, representing NBC Universal's one-third stake of the $27.5 billion guaranteed floor value for Hulu that was set when the companies entered into their agreement in 2019, minus the anticipated outstanding capital call contributions payable by NBCU to Disney of approximately $567 million. Uh, close quote. So I, I'm not much going to change on this. I expect the only thing I would expect is anything that's on Hulu that is NBC Universal Peacock. They're gone. It's going to be gone and it's going to be exclusively exclusively on Peacock. As for what Disney does with Hulu, I wouldn't expect too much to change. You know, I know there was talk of them melding ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, and Hulu into one thing. Mm-hmm. That might actually happen now that they own all of them at 100% and they can kind of do whatever they want without anybody telling them no. Yeah. You know, but for the right now, I, I wouldn't expect too much to change in terms of what you see if you use Hulu. Yeah, I hope not. But, you know, we are evolving in the streaming world, so mm-hmm. anything is possible. Mm-hmm. So for my picks this week, uh, one thing I just want to kind of touch upon, we we did not do a deep dive with. We're going to be saving that for next week because we already kind of mentioned this on a blog on Parlay Points. So if you want to really get the overall view, spoiler-free, of the latest hit show on Amazon Studios or via Amazon Studios on Prime Video, mm-hmm. definitely go there. But Pad did see Invincible Season 2, Episode 1. Yes. So why don't you give your spoiler-free statement about that? Thought it was a lot of fun. Wasn't quite what I expected. You mm-hmm. know, I was I I'm, wasn't sure what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. I'm interested to see where it goes, especially with how it opens up and kind of where it starts. That was shocking as all get out. Yeah, and and they really kind of without going into spoilers, they kind of really leave it on a cliffhanger. 
you know, unanswered questions. So as to whether, you know, what you saw is real, if it's not, you know, that's going to be interesting to see and kind of where things go from here. Boy, I feel like the stakes have really gotten ramped up that you, if you thought they were going to kind of maybe take it easy a little bit, back off the gas pedal a little bit, uh, uh-uh, they're going full throttle. No, they're definitely going full throttle with everything. Um, I, I thought it was a very strong episode. I did too. Uh, and if anybody's not familiar with the property, I mean, Invincible is arguably one of the most influential comics in the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if anybody doesn't believe it, you take a look at how Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker and Ryan Otley made the modern superhero. Yeah. Because it's a different time period. It's it's very relatable to a Spider-Man, but in this day and age. And uh, things are amped up a lot. Um, it's not for the squeamish. No. But it's something that the transition from comic page to small screen is still a big win. And you can understand when you watch this episode or the series. I mean, first series is definitely worth the watch. Yeah. And like I say, we're now into season two finally. Yeah. There's a lot of win, and you can see the influence now when you start looking at modern comics mm-hmm. that we pick up on the shelf each and every week. Mm-hmm. If they're superheroes, you can see the influence. You can, yeah. you, like I say, it's it's monumental, and that just goes to show how great this the comic was, and especially how the show is reflecting that too. Mm-hmm. And like I say, the voice acting on this show too, so good, top notch, top notch. So definitely make sure to go check it out on Amazon or via Amazon Studios on Prime Video. Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely be recapping that very, very shortly here on the ODPH yeah. in full spoiler mode because we, we, yeah, just I don't want to leak anything. So in the meantime, though, we are talking comics. Yeah. Pat, what are we picking up this week at the uh, shops? Uh, I got a bunch of stuff from Marvel this week. First of which is Thanos issue number one, Return of the Mad Titan. Ooh. Uh, this one reads, quote, Thanos versus the Illuminati. The Mad Titan Titan descends upon Earth to retrieve something he has lost, and the Illuminati must band together to stop him because they're the ones who hid it from him. Uh, This one coming to us via Christopher Cantwell. Uh, So this one's going to be fucking nuts. Of course, you got Illuminati, you got Thanos. You cannot go wrong. There's a lot of win. Yeah, it is. A lot of win. Uh, Also from uh, Marvel this week, Amazing Spider-Man issue number 37 from Zeb Wells. Uh, This one reads, quote, Gang War First Strike. Rec Rap returns. Spider-Man's Funhouse Reflection might just be the thing to help the wall crawler out of the darkness he can't seem to shake. Well, Rec Rap might help if he weren't targeted by the scariest new Spidey villain in decades. Gang War is coming. I am excited for Gang War. I am too. Like, I think for anybody that's been really disenfranchised with mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man, I think this is going to be something to get you back in. Yeah. I, I really do. I, I yeah. have not seen anything. I can't speculate on it. Right. I can just give you my speculation. I really think Gang War is going to be a hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got three titles from st- folks uh, with Star Wars. First of which is Star Wars Darth Vader, issue number 40 from Greg Pak. Uh, this one reads, Scourge of Coruscant, a dark droid's tie-in. What greater prize could the droid Scourge imagine than Coruscant? Uh, and, and God, this is a fucking word. Uh, Ecumenopolis, E-C-U-M-E-N-O-P-O-L-I-S, filled with millions of droids. And what greater terror could the people of Coruscant imagine than a a horde of scourged droids led by Lord Vader himself? So that's going to be fucking nuts. 
Uh, and then you've got Star Wars The High Republic, issue number mm-hmm. one. Uh, this one is from Phase 3. This one from Kevin Scott. Uh, this one reads, The Star Wars The High Republic returns for for its explosive Phase 3. A year after the destruction of Starlight Beacon, Martian Rowe and the Nihil stand victorious. The galaxy is in turmoil. The once mighty Jedi are outclassed. The Republic is on its knees. On the edges of the galactic frontier, Jedi Master Keeve Trennis leads a desperate assault against the invading force. The odds are stacked against her, but a Jedi always clings to hope. The Force is with her, right? Not so fast. So that one's going to be awesome. Like I said, and I maintain, Star Wars The High Republic, the best storytelling they're doing in Star Wars right now, not from Dave Filoni. Lastly, certainly not leastly, Star Wars The High Republic, Shadows of Starlight, issue number two, from the great Charles Soule. Uh, This one reads, more secrets are revealed from the missing year. Following the fall of Starlight Beacon, Elzar Man and Avar Chris, star-crossed Jedi Masters, attempt to navigate a galaxy that seemed determined to keep them apart. What is the Stormwall? And what danger does it pose to the Republic and the Jedi Order? Definitely some good stuff this week. Yeah, a lot of great stuff coming out from the Star Wars brand. So yeah. it's definitely something to be excited about if you're a fan of that franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, okay, kicking off, DC has a big week going on. Okay. Uh, there's a book I know that's dear and dear close to Pad's Heart. Uh-huh. And that is the first trade paperback is coming out of the new Superman run. Ooh. By Joshua Williamson and, and Jamal Campbell. hey If you haven't read this, amazing stuff. Yeah. Like, Phenomenal stuff. I love this run that Williamson is on with with Campbell. And like I say, just where they've been going with the story has been phenomenal. So the trade paperback is out now. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't picked it up for whatever reason, like make a point to track it down. Seriously. Uh, on the Batman side of things, Batman 139, uh, Chip Zdarsky, Jorge Jimenez. This is now the first book coming out after the Gotham War ah, between Batman and Catwoman. Right. I will say... It is a insane read. Okay. I love this. A certain clown prince is back in the building. Oh, boy. And this goes into a lot of crazy places. Uh-oh. I I love this issue, though. I really was blown away by it. Um, especially there's a dynamic that's been going on that I have, like, listen, I'm not a big fan of sure. that, that they've done, but I understand why, so I'm just writing it out. I want to see actually how this dynamic plays in with, the main antagonist, if you will. So, okay, super excited to check that out. Uh, so definitely make sure you you pick that up because that's like I say, it's kicking off a brand new story arc. Also, Birds of Prey number three. So Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero. This book has been fun. Okay, I really enjoy this one. I love the lineup and the mission they're on is absolutely crazy. Um, you can tell by the cover that they have a certain somebody that is coming to crash the party. Uh Uh-oh. And when this person shows up, because Pad can see the cover right now. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Well, when your mission is to invade Themyscira, (laughs) you're going to warrant some trouble. Bring your A game. Yeah. So... The, but like I say, the cover gives it away, and I know that the splash page at the end has been making the rounds on social media. But I really enjoy this book. I think Kelly Thompson's been writing an amazing team. I love the work that she's been putting in with Zealot, who a lot of fans might not know, but I know from the Wildcat days. Oh, okay. Um, and also Harley Quinn has been <laughs> such a great read in this team and the dynamic that is going on here. So I really enjoy what she's been bringing to the table and uh, in, in mixed with everybody else. So that's my DC picks on Comixology Originals. Nice Jewish Boys, number one. 
Neil Klein, John Brolia. Uh, this is a great read. I really enjoyed this. And this is just a really cool suburban true crime story. This will throw you for a loop. I love the twists that Klein put in this book. I think that this is going to be one that is going to be talked about. The more word of mouth spreads about this. And like I say, if you'd like some real crime stories, this is going to be up your alley. Okay. I really, really think they got a lot of cool things going on with this book as well. So like I say, that's out on Comixology Originals. Like I say, another great reason to go get a subscription to it uh, if you don't have it already. Like I say, if you're on Amazon Prime, like just go over and check it out. Like I say, they got so many good stuff happening over there. It's not even funny. On the Marvel side of things, I got to go back for one book that I have had circled for quite some time, and that's Punisher number one. Ah. So this has been the one that the minute I heard one David Pepos was involved with. Oh, you're, yeah, you're in. Yeah, my you, he already had my money. David Watcher is on the art, and this is really going to kick off a new era involving the vigilante that is known as the Punisher. Mm-hmm. No spoilers on this one, uh, but I will. the only thing I will say is this will be kicking off the comics coverage on nerdinitiative.com at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So depending on when you hear this on Wednesday, you definitely do not want to miss this. I swear to you. Uh, it's Pepos. Enough said. Like, yeah. I, I, like I, I feel like I don't need to say any more, but I will because you know, we're on a podcast. Uh, on the Image Comics side of thing, they have a monster week as well. Um, one of my favorite books is coming out, and that is the Dead Lucky number ten, Melissa Flores, French Carlo Manuel. Love this series, a massive verse, and the story of BB and what is going on now in the latest uh, problems in San Francisco are really amping up. Like I say, a lot of lot of things that this series does well is just, I mean, it's massive verse. Like I, like I say, that's that's all you need to know, folks. So definitely make sure you keep an eye out for that. Also from Skybound Entertainment, Transformers number two. Daniel Warren Johnson. Pat, I'm just going to show you the cover. Okay. And I don't know if you can really see it from this angle. Oh. But that's all I'm just going to leave you with. Oh, boy. And I'm just going to say there's a lot of big things that just looking at that cover, you're going to be excited about. The Energon universe is something that if you're not on board with yet, I don't know how you're not jumping in like feet first. There is just so much that you can be excited about as a fan because you know that there's G.I. Joe coming. You know that the Transformers are here now. And you know Void Rivals is still like the the dark horse, no pun intended, of what is going on. Because they have so much like they're building with this universe. Like it's just nothing but a big bucket of win. So if you haven't checked that out, you definitely want to make sure you do. Also, speaking of dark horse, Count Crowley, uh, I have to really pause when I say this name. Mediocre Midnight Monster Hunter. So this is a really cool book that's coming out. Uh, definitely go check that out. David Dashmelin is on the uh, writing duties for this, so you definitely want to keep an eye out for that. There is a lot of just really cool stuff out this week, Pat. Mm-hmm. A lot. Like, I'd say so. Like I say, I could keep going on and on. Like I say, our friends over at Boom Studios, uh, House of Slaughter, number 19, Damn Them All, number 10. The, like, just... Big, big books this week, folks. So I'm just going to leave it like this. If you need your comics coverage, odphpodcast.com, Parlay Points. We always got the blogs up posted for you of what you need to do. If you even want more expanded coverage, nerdinitiative.com starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wednesday morning, 
every hour on the hour until we're done talking about books. The bullpen has got a lot of stuff happening there. A lot of stuff happened on TikTok as well, tw- uh, Twitter. We have you covered on what you need to know as you head to the comic shops because it was, we always say make sure and go out and support your local comic shops wherever you're at because there's nothing better than walking into a shop and picking up a book on New Comic Book Day. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this edition. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.